This podcast deals with adult content, such as extreme themes of graphic nature, which could be difficult for sensitive listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hi. Hello, hello. We are uh, recording from the darkest depths of hell currently, because <laughs> I'm too fucking hot. Oh my god. It's actually quite cool over here, due to the rain that we've had. It's this house. It's like an oven. And I can't... For the good of you people, I'm not putting my fan on because it's so fucking loud. So appreciate it because <laughs> I'm s- slowly melting. <laughs> you may hear a fan on my end. However, that has to do with my computer, which is... <coughs> excuse me, I'm dying. Oh, gosh, she's dying. <laughs> is um, overheating. <laughs> so it's my, it's my computer's fan. It's not my actual fan. But getting to it. Hi, Angela. And I'm Claire, hi! And this is Murder on Our Minds! Yeah, we're back again for a big case. We are, and it is my case this time. You don't know what it is. I've got no clue. I didn't even give you a hint. No, I know, I hate it. (laughs) This is an American case. Oh. And it is about the Miastis murders. I don't know if I know this. And in case somebody gives me grief about pronunciation, I double check this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you <laughs> you had the foresight because I wouldn't have had a clue. <laughs> I also just realized I just now pronounced it wrong. It's the Maestas murders. <laughs> Cut oh, that part. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> absolutely not. No. <laughs> no, put it in me being full of shite. <laughs> Oh, well, I mean, I yeah, I'm looking forward to it, especially after the last case was, um, I mean, I'm sure this isn't a walk in the park, but the last case was fucking miserable. So This is too, when you find oh, out the context, right. but um, what was it last week? Uh, the week before, remind me? We the end cell. Okay, the it's cell. not that dark because Good. when you take a walk in the world of an end cell, it just remains dark and ain't nothing coming yeah. back. All right, so as I said, is the Maestas murder. Yes. And I'll be honest, I've seen that title everywhere, and I don't know why it's called that. Oh, really? There is a murder, I'll say that. But <laughs> Good. The way oh. it's called, it's as if, you'll see, it kind of confuses me a bit. You'll okay. understand it almost immediately. So anyways. Okay, cool. So being a teenager is often full of angst, riddled with trials and tribulations. Perceived slights feel bigger than they actually are. And with the addition of our hormones coursing through our veins, it can be hard to hold back on one way or another. In many cases, being a teenager also means finding ourselves and experimenting with the world around us. Whether it be through sexual intercourse, drinking, or taking drugs, often it is felt that nothing is off the table. Such is the case for Beau and Monique Mesas when the two teenage siblings would experiment with hard drugs, the end result would be deadly. Beau, Monique, and their older sister Misty were the product of conjugal visits between a drug-dealing mother, Marilyn Mesas, and the twice-convicted killer, Harry Mesas. Harry spent most of their childhood in and out of prison. When he was out... Harry Matus would be in a constant battle with Marilyn. When out, he displayed military-type behavior and would regularly wake up the entire family at 4.30 a.m. 
and make them clean their bedrooms and the house and then would ins- inspect their work. What the fuck? The children would get in trouble if a single shoelace in a closet was not tucked in. Oh, that's one way to fuck up your kids, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. When Misty, the oldest, was between four to five years of age, her parents would become heavily involved in selling drugs. So this is where the uh, drug-dealing parents come from. Right. When Misty would visit the father in prison, he would molest her in the visiting room. How how does that happen? I don't know, because there's cameras, isn't there? Who knows? Uh, uh, I suppose it depends when this was. Mm Mm-hmm. Jeez. Monique would be sexually assaulted as a child as well. Between her ninth and thirteenth birthday, she was molested by her mother's six foot three inch, three hundred pound boyfriend, and that would be that during the time that the parents had been divorced. Oh, sweet Jesus! Oh, I just I've got. <laughs> I know this isn't going to end well, but it couldn't even start well. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So Marilyn Macis would constantly belittle her son and expose him to drug and alcohol abuse. As a young boy, Bo's parents used to blow marijuana smoke into his face in an attempt to calm his hyperactivity. Oh my god. While in the second grade, his teacher wrote to his parents, Bo is very smart. He needs a lot of help getting his energy in the right direction. He's still an angry boy. Please get the help you talked about. By 12, Bo was using marijuana, alcohol, and methamphetamine. Jeez! Yeah, that's oh. out there. It's a horrible um, childhood, isn't it? These poor children, they, sh- they, they should have been taken, taken away. 100%. Yeah, and I don't know how they continued to, to be able to gain custody of them, well, essentially. I suppose if nobody around the family gives a shit, who's oh, going to well, no. it? No, no, no. People did. Oh, really? People did give a shit. And that's what I'm about to talk about. Okay. Carolyn Harris Rowing, twin sister to Marilyn Mathis, would see Harry constantly belting the family, especially Bo. When she would try to intervene, the pair would threaten her. Eventually, Bo would start to fight back or would run away. And as a result, if anyone was mean to Bo, he got angry and explosive, which is very understandable. Absolutely. Because, because if, in a way, if you're mean to him, it's almost his way of controlling a situation. Yeah, yeah. And he can't with his parents. Yeah. Regardless of that, Carolyn said of Bo, if you treat him with kindness and respect, he will treat you with kindness and respect. He was always helping the elderly in the neighborhood and always kind to children. <sighs> Carolyn's best friend, a sensitive and kind jeweler, who after he lost his business, moved into the same apartment complex as the Mesa's family lived in. She said her friend adored Bo and Monique and would watch them when Marilyn Mesa's was at home. However, Marilyn would start to get jealous of the time they spent with this man and thus forbid them from seeing him. Oh, for God's sake. All about control. It is. It's also... Why are you being jealous? You're not there, one. Probably you're busy fucking off dr- dealing drugs. Yeah. You know, if you really wanted to be there, you form a real bond that has nothing to do with harming your children. Yeah, yeah. It's not a career choice that I would advise selling drugs. 
let me just put this out there. I agree. But dealing drugs does not go hand in hand with neglecting and abusing your children. No, no, no. They're, you know, they're not mutually exclusive. She could, if she really wanted to, sell her drugs, but keep her children safe. Oh, definitely. Unfortunately, this type of story does not illustrate that. No. She continued to be angry and jealous of this man, and as a result, skinned his cat <gasps> and then nailed its head to <gasps> his door. Oh, my God. You could have warned me about th- th- that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, babe. <laughs> Many things wash over me, but cat murder really bothers me. (laughs) I really apologize. I don't know why I thought, you know, murder needed an additional trigger warning. But to you audiences, you already heard the disclaimer, so it's really your own fault. I should be well aware of it. That's awful. Oh, my God. I I would kill somebody if they did that to my cat. Well, after this, Marilyn Maces continued to threaten him. And thus, he took his own life because of the trauma. Oh, my goodness. She didn't kill him. He didn't kill her. Basically, she killed him. Wow. Which is really sad. Wow. By 2000, Bo had attempted suicide. He said, I felt like killing myself. My life is a burden. My life is messed up. Poor child. And when his father was released from prison, he attempted to reconnect, but Harry rejected his overtures. The two siblings, Bo and Misty, would continue to use meth. It's not surprising, is it? No, not at all. Then, on the 21st of January, 2003, Bo, then 19, and Monique, 16, contacted their normal hookup, Desiree Town, to arrange a purchase of methamphetamine. When Town was unable to secure the drugs from her source, Maestas inquired about two individuals he had seen around. They drove a white firebird with a yellow bumper. Town believed that Maestas was referring to Tammy Bergeron and her husband, Robert Schmidt. Maestas and Town found Bergeron and Schmidt at a casino in Mesquite, and Maestas bought the methamphetamine from Bergeron for $125. However, when they returned home with their purchase, they found that the little bag of white substance contained salt, oh. not methamphetamine. Oh, dear. They were ripped off, and they were infuriated. Yeah. Upon discovering the deception, Maces and Town returned to the casino, where Maces and Schmidt got into an altercation. Robert Schmidt, Bo, and Monique, and Sabrina Bantam, Bo's girlfriend whom accompanied them, were escorted from the premises. Bo, Monique, and Sabrina drove to Sabrina's home. They were livid over the counterfeit drugs purchased from Tammy Bergeron. Macis asked Bantam for a knife, which she gave to him. Bantam then accompanied Bo, Macis, and Monique to the Casablanca RV park. Bo parked in the employee parking lot and instructed Bantam to honk the horn if she saw a white firebird, which is Bergeron's vehicle. Bo exited the car and walked toward the RV parking, leaving Bantam and Monique in the car. Bo knocked on the door of the trailer at around 1.30 a.m. the 22nd of January, 2003. 
That's really rude. Who knocks on somebody's door? It's only drug addicts that are knocking on people's doors at half past one in the morning. Well, who opened the door was not Tamara, nor was it um, Robert. It was Brittany, Tamara's 10-year-old daughter. They told her that her mother had been hurt at the casino and she needed to go help her. No. Brittany, wise beyond her years, knew not to go anywhere with strangers and refused to open the trailer door. Monique became angry and accompanied Mesa's back to the trailer to assist him in gaining entry. Again, Bantam was instructed to honk the car horn if a white firebird appeared. Monique knocked on the door. Brittany once again entered. Uh, opened the door, excuse me. With a gentle yet hurried voice, Monique said to her, Hi, my name's Kim. Your mom is really hurt at the casino. Your dad doesn't want to leave her, and she asked us to come and get you. Brittany acknowledged this and agreed. Oh, no. Brittany said, Well, okay, but you're going to have to carry my sister because she's asleep, referring to her three-year-old sister, Christiana. Brittany then opened the door and went to find her shoes. When she turned around, Bo came up from behind her and put his hand over her mouth and a knife to her neck. Oh, my God. I, if you could see, I wish you could see my face right now. Like, I'm pulling just, like, the most horrified, worried, concerned, scared faces that you've ever seen. <laughs> so I can't be on TV because my face doesn't hide how I feel. <laughs> well, in this case, you really want, wouldn't want to hide your expression because it would make yeah. you look like you're a femoid. <laughs> that too. <laughs> the teenage siblings began punching Brittany. Fighting for her life, she kicked and bit at her attackers as she desperately tried to protect her sister. When Bo stabbed Christiana with a large kitchen knife, one in particular punctured the girl's head and broke through the skull, penetrating her brain. Holy shit! She had another wound to the right of her head and the left side of her neck that penetrated her jugular vein, resulting in significant blood loss, plus a gaping wound in her back. Oh, this is awful. This is the three-year-old. This is the three-year-old. Oh, my goodness. Though she was still alive, but she was unconscious and non-responsive. Bo and Monique stabbed Brittany 27 times in her arms, chest, back, and legs. Brittany's stomach and liver had been punctured, and some of the stab wounds severed her spinal cord. However, she remained conscious and was able to explain what happened. What? I know. Talk about strength. That's incredible. She's got so much strength, this girl. Wow. Brittany was unable to move. She looked at her three-year-old sister and could hear her gurgling. She said, At the time, I didn't know what it was. I tried to get over there, and I couldn't really move, so I started screaming, Help! 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 Tamara Bergeron returned to her trailer and began screaming upon entering her trailer. Tamara held towels and rags over Brittany's wound to stop the bleeding. A neighbor who had heard the commotion called casino security, who called the police. Brittany was lying in a puddle of blood and just, just screaming, said Bradley Swanson, the first officer to arrive at the scene. Brittany looked Swanson in the eye and told him she didn't want to die. The two girls were flown to the trauma center at the University Medical Center in Las Vegas and rushed into surgery. 
Christiana had been stabbed repeatedly in the head and neck. The knife had pierced her skull and brain, and the multiple wounds marked her 32-pound body. Christiana never made it out alive. I mean, it's little wonder. Poor, I poor know. child. She's such a beautiful young child who had her whole life ahead of her. Just ripped away. Oh, it's awful. I felt sorry for these kids, but there's a point at which you have to take some responsibility for your actions. Just because you had a shitty upbringing does not mean you can mm-hmm. get away with being a class A cunt and a, a murderer. child murderer. That's funny because you say that. And the reason why I put all of that in, because the prosecution themselves tried to illustrate that they too had a rough upbringing and maybe that's what led to it. And it's like, okay. no, no, yeah. no, no, no. So Force many people have else. had a rough life bring, upbringing, yeah. but they committed murder at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. And, oh, do you know what? My life's so terrible and unfair and my parents treated me so poorly that I'm going to go and fucking ruin somebody else's life. Mm-hmm. Get a grip. For real. Brittany was in the operating room for two hours. When she awoke from her surgery, she learned that one of her injuries resulted in her never being able to walk again. During that time, Bo and Monique raced back to the car where Sabrina was still waiting and they yelled, the police are coming. They are coming soon and we need to hurry. Bo's hands and clothing were covered in blood. Sabrina drove Bo and Monique to their godmother's house to clean up and get the grandmother's car. During the drive, both siblings made incriminating statements. Monique stated that she tried to stab the little girl in the organs and kept stabbing. She said, I should have sliced the little girl's neck then because I was just too scared. I couldn't do it. Bo commented that he stabbed the little girl in the head. Bo called a friend near Salt Lake City and told him that they killed some children and needed a place to go. Stealing their grandmother's Honda, the pair headed north on I-15 to Utah, fleeing Nevada. Along the way, both threw the knives, bloody clothing, and towels on the roof of an abandoned gas station in Fillmore, Utah. Police issued an alert, and within five hours, the pair were arrested in Nephli, Utah. Bo confessed immediately. He tried to protect his little sister and claimed she had no role in the attack. But soon it became clear that 16-year-old Monique was the one who had stabbed Brittany the most. I listened to a case where somebody did this the other day, and I'm like, the scientific evidence is going to prove that you are lying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What? And then you're both going down. Like, mm-hmm. don't be a hero. You Don't try and fucking show you some sort of, I don't know, what's the word? Chivalry now. Yeah. For fuck's sake. Yeah. Funnily enough, you say that about the forensic science. I was mm. listening to Culpable today. Oh, yeah, I haven't listened yet. Oh, my God, it's so good. Get on that train. I will. I've been listening to Getting Off, and I fucking love it. Oh, I don't know that one. This is the one about with the defence attorneys. Okay. And they talk about a lot of cases from a legal standpoint. Oh, that's interesting. It's really interesting. And the woman, her name's Jessa, she's like, my hero (laughs) i want to be like her she's incredible like she's got opinions and she doesn't give a shit but Mm. she cares and you're just like i love you (laughs) it's great well the 
the thing with Inculpable, mm. um, specifically the one from, I think it was episode from a couple of days ago. I'd only just now caught up. Yeah. They were talking about how it's essentially about this boy um, who supposedly committed suicide. At least mm. that's what the investigation has led to. But the forensics, which is what the main episode was for today, the forensics does not point to that. In fact, it points to murder. But even uh, the evidence, the statements, everything just sounds off. Yeah. It's really hard to believe that this was suicide. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it was such a good episode. And that's, they were saying the forensics completely pointed to murder. So yeah, yeah. why was the case closed after less than one day of fake investigating, essentially? Yeah. See, I find that, I find that so interesting, especially mm-hmm. from the forensic side, because yeah. you listen to cases where there is suicide and like, I listen to the vanished a lot and things like that. And, oh yeah. you know, they, they say things like, oh, you know, we don't believe that she would have killed herself. He would have killed himself. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't know and i don't think you could ever truly say that or i don't think i could ever truly say that about anybody because you don't know what's going on in in somebody else's head oh definitely so i think as much as you don't want to believe that when you're in that situation you you can't be that closed off to it but when the forensics are telling you that they didn't i mean i as a family member i would be hanging on to that Oh, no, that's the thing. It wasn't even the investigation or MBI, if it makes sense to you yeah, now. Yeah. MBI are the ones who, even though they, the case had come onto their desk and it was originally declared a suicide, they also declared a suicide after one day of investigating as wow. well. And, of course, MBI is full of crap, as we've heard recently. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't the actual MBI who did the forensics. In fact, it was a family who paid all the independent investigators and the forensics um, laboratory themselves to get this information wow. so wow. i mean that says something yeah they, it does they just don't care oh uh, uh, i mean it stinks of the, the, the whole or an ag case you know oh god yes inept policing actually it's um sheila waisaki has a bit of a hand in it yes yes it's so she's so good. Too. She's amazing. <laughs> oh, love her. I'm just girl crushing on so many people at the moment. <laughs> Plus, we mentioned Sheila Waisaki quite a bit. <laughs> I love her. Okay, I'll just get back to it. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. So, Sabrina Bantam, feeling distressed about the situation and the role she played after learning of the two girls' fate, came forward to the police. She was able to place them at a crime scene. Together with the physical evidence left at the scene, the detailed account of the events before and after, the attacks implicated Bo and Monique. Well, at least somebody's got a conscience. Additionally, Bantam gave a detailed description and location of the discarded clothing and the weapons used during the attack. Wow. As a result, the police located Bo's and Monique's clothing and the knives where the blood from both victims was found. But if you remember, she's the one who gave them the knife. Oh. Yeah, and I was reading a little bit of a note on that. Apparently, or at least this is what she claims, she believed that he was going to use the knife to cut some drugs. I'm sorry. I would believe it if she said, oh, I, I just thought he was going to sort of threaten the woman or whatever or... 
you know, try to scare her into giving her the money, them the money back or something like that. Mm-hmm. But don't talk shit. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. No, if it doesn't make sense, it's probably not true. I think she should have been implicated at least as a, um, oh, what's it called? An accessory. Yeah, well, he- herein lies the other thing. I say, you know, maybe she's got a conscience, but actually, if you're the bird that sings first. Oh, yeah, you definitely are the one to get away with shit yeah additionally during interrogation Bo incriminated himself he told police that he went to Bergeron's trailer to get his money back and perhaps to retaliate against Schmidt by and I quote maybe cutting him or stabbing him or whatever but when he made his way to the trailer Brittany and Christiana began screaming so he stabbed them that's a completely, you know, normal reaction, you know? Of course it is. Because if someone's it. screaming, you just take your knife take in your knife hand that you came prepared with and you go, ah, and you stab them. Whereas I would be like, what the fuck's going on here? You know? <laughs> yeah. Sweet Jesus. He made a similar admission in a letter to someone named Amy, written while he was incarcerated and awaiting extradition to Nevada. In the letter, which was... Intercepted by jail personnel in Utah to Monique, Bo explained that the botched drug deal and admitted and proudly stating he slaughtering those little piggies. The fuck? He said, I flipped out and went and killed that lady's youngest daughter and I paralyzed the older one. Three used to be my lucky number. Now, when I think of three... I see a little body hanging eye level from a knife that's half her size, and that's in my blood. That was some of the most brutal shit I've ever seen. What a disgusting, vile excuse of a human being. Proud. He's so proud of it. Thinking of three, thinking of that little girl, it's his lucky number. Are you serious? Because that little girl he murdered was three. This is awful. This is worse than in the incel, I'm convinced. <laughs> In another letter, he asked Monique to knock Sabrina Bantam's teeth out, kick her lips off, rip her tongue out, and wipe your ass with it when Monique was released from prison because he was angry with Sabrina for ratting them out. So the state charged Bo with first-degree murder with the use of a deadly weapon, attempted murder with the use of a deadly weapon, and burglary while in possession of a deadly weapon. Oh, does this mean it can go death penalty? Uh-huh. Yes! Sorry, I don't support the death penalty, but like, <laughs> in if, certain some, cases, if somebody's going to deserve it, it's this cunt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's funny that you would mention that, but I won't mention why for now. Okay. <laughs> I just know that if you, if you are committing a burglary and then murder the person, that is, then becomes a death penalty case in certain states. Mm-hmm. And clearly in this state. The state also filed a notice of intent to seek the death penalty. Eee, I'm psychic. <laughs> <laughs> I just listened to too many fucking podcasts. That's all it is. I've got a good memory. That's what that is. <laughs> Alleging two aggravating circumstances. One, the murder occurred in the commission of a burglary. Yes. And two, the victim was under 14 years of age. Right. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. There you I was going to say, 
Send you got one me more to on the your bar. Belt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm prepared to, to prosecute. Well, apparently the test is like three days long. Are you prepared to sit a test three whole days long? If I can smoke and drink coffee, I'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you can. It's like Damn eight it. hours straight, some shit like that. So eight, 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 24 hours, essentially. At least that's what I remember. The problem is I, I, I'm, I really, really, really want to be a lawyer. Like, I've become convinced that I should, that that's what I was born to do. But it's just a lot of work. <laughs> I'm actually tempted to go back to forensic science. Yeah, really. I've been really, I've been thinking about it a lot. Yeah. But time, man. <sighs> True that. <laughs> I, I wish, like, you know, like Kim Kardashian studying law. I'm like... What, that, is she really? Yeah, she oh is. Oh my god! And apparently, she's doing like because obviously her father was a lawyer. Yeah, yeah. And apparently, she's doing really, really well. I'm like, oh, good for her then. Absolutely. And I just wish that I was like had however million eighty million pound in the bank so that I could do whatever the fuck you wanted, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and be able to to study what I really want to study. But I'll stick to fucking graphic design instead. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> enough about my midlife crisis. <laughs> and people, she's not quite in her midlife, you know. Uh-uh. She's coming to it a lot earlier in life. <laughs> I'll, I'll be dead by 64, apparently. <laughs> God's sake. Clock it, people. Yeah. <laughs> After Mace's pleaded guilty to all of the charges, the case proceeded before a jury to determine the sentence to be imposed for the first degree murder. Yeah. However, when the jury was unable to reach a verdict, they deadlocked and the district court declared a mistrial <gasps> and impaneled a second jury. Okay, maybe I don't want to be a lawyer. I've been cacking my pants. Oh, you would have been furious. Yeah. Do you listen to um, Confronting OJ? I haven't. I've got it all downloaded. Oh my God, it's it. so good. So the most recent ones have been about actual jury themselves. Oh, and, excellent. And Kim Goodman yes. is actually talking to some of the jurors. Oh. And, and one said that in, almost immediately they came to a two to one. Yeah. And because they had to faff about, they posed questions which they really didn't care about because... Yeah. You know, they just wanted to get out of there at the yeah, end because it yeah. ended up being what three hundred and sixty-four days, some shit like that. Yeah, something ridiculous. More than a year in any case. Yeah. They were sick to death of not being able to go about their life. Oh yeah, oh, definitely. Um, yeah. The TV show illustrated it quite a good detail. Yes, great show. So they were saying they were just asking these questions just to make it look like it, but in the end, they came back after three hours, anyways. If I was a judge. <laughs> and we'd just spent nearly a year at trial and the jury's taken three hours to deliberate, I'd go, no, 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 no. Go back and think about it properly (laughs) because there's no way that you've taken all of that information and discussed it. Yeah, but Judge Edo seemed like a complete idiot as a result, you know, in the end. You've got a really good point. Of everything I've listened to, he loved the limelight, everything I've read. He adored it. He wanted this. He got all these free things and he was enjoying it. Oh, of course. So. It's boosting his career. Of course it is. Awful. Mm -hmm. At the second penalty hearing, the state proceeded on a single aggravating circumstance. Christiana's age. The state also presented other matter evidence, including the facts and circumstances of the crime and the impact on Brittany of her physical and psychological injuries 
and the loss of her sister. In the wake of the murders, Tamara Bergeron and Robert Schmidt denied any involvement in the bogus deal. Even if they did, that's no reason for your children to be murdered. They were home alone. These two were at the casino and they left the 10-year-old to look after the 8-year-old. Sorry, the 3-year-old, which is even worse. Yeah, yeah, I don't condone that. But but like I say, poor life choices does not is is not an excuse mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for this shit. They were charged with child abuse and neglect for leaving the children home alone for several hours wow. at the time of the stabbing. And Tamara was sentenced to a minimum of four years in prison. As a result, Brittany stayed with the foster family and her foster mother, Judith Himmel, testified that when Brittany came to live with her, Brittany was very apprehensive and needed quite a bit of assistance and was in a great deal of pain. I'm not fucking surprised. Right? It's completely understandable. Oh, she's lost her sister and now she's lost her mother. And the fact that she was able to survive all that mentally, physically, everything is just oh. is a feat of the human spirit. Oh, it's incredible. She's far better a person than I am. Mm-hmm. So during the day, Brittany was considered to be generally happy, playing with other children, swimming, and going to school. But at night, she was frightened and had difficulty sleeping. She often required a sedative and insisted on having a light and a television on. On Christiana's birthday, and the date of her death, Brittany would release balloons, and Himmel testified that Brittany received counseling and physical therapy now regarding Bo mm. psycho- psychologist David Schmidt testified to Bo's cognitive functioning he said that Macy's exhibit impaired fluid reasoning which is the capacity to gather information and solve problems Dr. Schmidt explained that the fluid reasoning lessens impulsivity as a person matures and allows a person to understand the consequences of actions and stop impulsive responses Dr. Schmidt explained that although he sports the death penalty in some cases, he did not hear because Bo was functioning at a level below his age at the time of the offenses. Dr. Schmidt also mentioned that Macis was remorseful for his actions <laughs> and suggested oh <laughs> that the letter referring to slaughtering little piggies and asking Monique to harm Bantam could be attributed to simply posturing and bravado. Oh, fuck off. That pisses me off. That's disgusting. Mm-hmm. So Macis made a statement. He conveyed his remorse and apologized to his victims and their families and expressed his horror at his actions. In a voice just above the whisper, while Macis apologized to the little girl, he left paralyzed and to the family of her sister whom he killed. He said, I would like to apologize to Brittany Bergeron for what I've done. Because of my actions that night, she will forever be confined to a wheelchair and she lost her sister. To the families, Mr. Cohen, Mr. Bergeron, and Mrs. Smith, I think your name is now, I'm sorry for whatever happens to you and to your daughters. Macis also apologized to his family for the shame that he brought. Neither his mother nor father were in court. Oh, well, that doesn't shock me. They weren't there any other time, so why would they be there then? Right. 
When Harry was asked to testify on the behalf of his son, he declined, saying he would have nothing to do with these people, referring to both of his children. Even though you're a convicted murderer. Which is funny, considering he's twice convicted murderer. Fucking idiot. But if you think about it, um, I didn't mention it before, but I found out who it was that he killed. Right. It was, um, he'd killed his living girlfriend. Wow. Um, in the 70s. They had gotten into an argument and he stabbed her. And then when he was convicted of that and in jail, he killed a convicted, um, he killed a fellow inmate. I think also stabbing him as well. Oh, wow. The maces certainly love a blade. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in this case, I hate to say this, but he killed adults. Whereas they try to take the lives of little children. Oh, no, I get that. But at the same time, you... At the same time, they're both shite. Don't throw stones in glass houses or whatever it is they say. You know, it's, fucking hell. Yeah, it's like calling the pot kettle black. The, yeah. Oh, God, I forget how to say that term. The pot, pot ke- calling the kettle, the kettle black. black. Yeah. Right yeah. Oh, my God, like, we both stumbled. <laughs> but that's exactly it. You know, you're both murderers in the eye of the law. Yeah. The jury sided with the prosecution's strong case and came back with the death penalty for wow. Bo. Shortly after the verdict, I believe it was, it was within three hours, it might even been 30 minutes if I remember really? correctly. Monique Maces agreed to plead guilty. Oh, I bet she did. Mm-hmm, to the murder of Christiana and the attempted murder of Brittany as part of a plea deal. In 2005, a Supreme Court ruled that people who were younger than 18 when they committed their crimes cannot be sentenced to death for those crimes. Of course. Since Monique was 16 at the time of the murders, she was sentenced to life imprisonment, or 47 years, with parole eligibility after 40 years when she is 63. According to Schwartz, he says, from my perspective, she deserves to be on death row with her brother, but the United States Supreme Court saved her. During her sentencing, she too apologized for her actions. Addressing Brittany, who was not present, she said, My heart goes to you. I'm sorry for everything. The only positive aspect of this entire situation is the courage and perseverance you've demonstrated. Bo was scheduled to be put to death around the week of December 11th to 17th of 2006. However, it was pushed back on a, due to appeal on the sentence. Right. I was you know, going to say, typical. that's very quick. It was it very go, quick. It automatically goes to appeal if it's death sentence, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm, essentially. In 2012, the Nevada Supreme Court upheld the death sentence given to Bo. Six years later. Wow. The court, in its unanimous decision, authored by Justice Michael Cherry, rejected Mace's contention to the death penalty was excessive. The record support... <laughs> excessive. I know. That made me laugh too when I read that. I'm like, is she serious? I mean, they put people to death for less. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. For fuck's sake. The record supports the conclusion that the crime and the defendant are of a class or kind that warrants the imposition of the death penalty. In his appeal, Mace's complained the jury foreman lied during questioning when she, that she had a bias against Maces and that she had concealed that she was a 911 dispatcher. He also contended that District Judge Donald Mosley committed an error when he convened a second jury after the first had deadlocked on the penalty. 
He said the judge had the discretion to set a term of life in prison. The court rejected both issues. Cherry wrote the death sentence was not imposed under the influence of prejudice, passion, or any arbitrary factor. He said, it is difficult to imagine a more horrendous killing than Christiane's. He viciously stabbed to death a defenseless three-year-old child. In 2015, Bo Mesas went before a judge asking for a new trial because of what he calls attorney misconduct. Okay. He said, I'm facing death row. I have to do something, something, anything. Yeah, clutching at straws entirely. That's exactly it. Yeah. This must cost so much money, though. Of course it does. You know, that that's one of my things against the death penalty, mm-hmm. in, in all honesty. Like, the fact that it automatically goes to appeals and then all of the other litigation that has to go through following mm-hmm. that sentencing costs an absolute fortune. And that's before, that's, you know, excluding the cost of actually putting that person to death and keeping them on death row and all all of that is incredible. I'm just... Ah. And of course, being that he's indigent, the taxpayers have to pay for yes. that. So Bo claimed his former attorney didn't fully explain that he would still be eligible for the death penalty before he signed the guilty plea. Mace's former attorney says the mountain of evidence against his client, who was 18 years old at the time, is the reason he advised him to plead guilty just days before the trial. Yeah. Mesa said he didn't understand legal jargon when he accepted the plea deal, but the district court judge... Well, it's not a plea deal, though, is it? That's no, the thing. it's not. You've not... Nobody's promised you that you will not... Unless it's literally there in front of you that you will not face death if you plead guilty, you're just pleading. Mm-hmm. And, and that's actually similar to what the judge has said. Right. Oh, look at me. <laughs> <laughs> So I've got so much legal knowledge. <laughs> but let's be honest here. It's also, com- it, sh- oh, it seems like. It's um, common sense. Common yeah. sense, exactly. Absolutely. Damn it, I'll take my robe and wig off. <laughs> <laughs> so Judge Kathleen Delaney didn't seem to buy his crap. Yeah, funny that. She said, Mr. Macy's, death is not legal jargon. Death is a pretty clear concept. Mm-hmm. Now. There seems to be no news regarding this motion. And as of April 3rd, 2018, Bo Macis was still on death row. I'm sure he probably still is. Yeah, yeah. But on to a bit of happy news. In mm-hmm. the wake of the attack, Brittany, as I mentioned before, was fostered by Judy and Bill Hamill. Yeah. And in 2008, Tamara granted Brittany her lifelong wish when she relaxed relinquished her parental rights and signed an open adoption agreement with the foster parents who had taken care of her following the attack. Oh, that's made me go funny. She's also doing, she's alive and she's well and she was thriving. Oh, excellent. And that's the case of Mesa's murders. Wow. What a roller coaster. It is though, isn't it? Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've gone all goose pimply, like a pimply goose. Like yeah. the hairs on my arm, my arm are like on end. When I was reading this, I have so many sources and I had yeah. to cut them down. I'm like, I need to slick to certain things. And Oh my God, I didn't even save all my files. Oh my God, all my links are missing. Oh no. <laughs> okay, I'm going back to some of them, the ones I use the most. but I email them all to myself so I can't lose them. Well, I have some of the links on this particular file, but yeah. I don't think I saved them all because I had like 
40 tabs open. Oh, God, I like, hate when that happens. That's I really go in and I grab something from here and here from there. I really go oh, I hate for the that. research. I fucking love doing that. Oh, it drives me nuts. I love reading I love it. it all. And I, and I like trying to tell the story, but then trying to remember which bit has come from there and which bit has come from there and I'm you like you have to go click 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 honestly, click click well, I print them all off do you really yeah I print them all off and I highlight all of the relevant bits and I keep all of the tabs open on my machine so I can go back and forwards and backwards and forwards and yep. I can copy that quote and do this and do that and then you, you should oh, see me. a idea, actually. I, I might steal that. Well, you say that. You should see. I look like a fucking woman possessed when I'm rifling through 300 pieces of paper trying to find this two-line quote. But here's the thing. What I do is you're printing it off. I handwrite everything. Oh, fuck that. So I'll handwrite <laughs> everything that I really liked and really wanted to write about. Yeah. And then I expand on it when I'm typing it out, saying this one mentioned that part. I didn't write it down, but I remember because I wrote down the most yeah, important yeah. part of that. Write it all in. And I'll that takes write, me forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, tell me about it. Like, I'll my book's write, almost empty. Oh, Jesus. Mm. See, I've got bits of paper, again, because I don't like to mess up my uh, <laughs> notebooks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, no, this is a notebook, but specifically for... Yeah. Yeah, so that's what I need. Because I just write down key points or I write down if I'm watching a YouTube video or I'm listening to a podcast and like, all oh, that nugget, all that yeah, nugget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But other than that, I just print it because I can't. Oh. I'm going to steal that. <laughs> Honestly, this is really pathetic. I can't write for a prolonged period of time at the moment. Otherwise, I seize up. Do you know what? I get that too. And I get that because of my thyroid. Are you sure you're not hypothyroid? Uh, yeah, they check my thyroid. It's... um. It's 100%, in my opinion, at, at least one herniated disc. Oh. My um, my hand goes numb and I can't hold up a pencil when it gets bad. Yeah, so mine gets, doesn't... Everything feels heavy. Uh, well, as you see, it's weird because I, I can feel that my left arm and hand feels weaker. And this sounds really... Oh, this is an overshare. But... <laughs> I was... Like holding, I was not expecting that. I know, I know you wouldn't be, but I was holding myself up with my hands. So, okay, so he was lying down on the bed and you were on top of him that way. Yeah, yeah. So I had my hands either side of him, and my left arm just started giving way because it can't take my weight anymore. (laughs) I've done that. I've got on that much weight, but. My wrist, my wrist and my hand just can't take it. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. If you slip, it goes farther down and he enjoys it a bit more. Yeah. So... Silver linings. Silver, I mean, for him, not for yeah, you. Not for me. We'll cut that out. <laughs> you can always beep it. People are like, what am yeah, I missing? Yeah, I will. <laughs> oh, my I needed that little bit of tonic after that. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. <laughs> oh, my God. I can, Yeah, I realized I didn't even get to my point. <laughs> <laughs> going back to it, after reading about uh, Brittany doing so well, after yeah. all this hard work, after everything I've read, it was really just the sunshine at the end of the yeah. tunnel. Yeah. You know? I don't think you can tell a story like that and, and not have some sense of, of something good 
But that's exactly why I put that at the end. Because if I slot that near where it happened in 2008, as opposed to where we currently are at 2018, it just still would have, it would have made you think nothing's happened to Bo. There's been nothing going on. And his going back with his um, asking about the attorney misconduct, going through it, you're going to get pissed off. But hearing that she's doing well in wake of everything that happened is just. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I don't know, I can't even put it, but it's just such a good thing to put your heart on. The fact that she's able to yeah. attempt to try, it, I mean, it's one thing to, to survive mm-hmm. a horrible attack. At such a young age. Absolutely. It's another thing to be able to try and move past it. Mm-hmm. But to then do that st- living every day with yeah. the physical and the mental mm-hmm. effects it, it's just amazing oh yeah i'm telling you it's the triumph of the human spirit yeah it's it's amazing you know wow <sighs> all right should we do crime in the news yes crime in the news this i was gonna save this for next week yeah but i read about it after we recorded and i didn't want to put it off anymore no no because I of fine. what it is yes mm-hmm so we've talked about this story a lot mm-hmm. and last time it's an update yes it is an update and last time i was quite not critical but i didn't really feel like the hospital deserved all of the flack they were getting however however this is fucking disgusting mm-hmm. so you remember that Marlene ochoa lopez had been brutally murdered by a woman she met on Facebook. Yes. Clarissa Figueroa. That's it. Clarice, Clarissa. And her and daughter. And yes, her, and her husband. Daughter. Her daughter and Clarissa's boyfriend, excuse me. Yeah. So these awful family had, had lured her into the home and killed her and cut her baby, Giovanni Lopez, from his mother's womb. And oh, sadly, subsequently, Giovanni Lopez died in hospital and the the family were very angry about Everything. how how well understandably mm-hmm. so but in particular how the hospital they felt had, had treated them and the fact that they didn't report it quick enough etc etc now the family of Giovanni Lopez has been billed over $300,000 for the care of the baby. Can you believe it? And this includes time that he was taken into the hospital by Clarissa Figueroa. Yes, yeah, so they they were billed for the time that Clarissa Figueroa had had taken the baby in and even referred to the baby as Figueroa boy on one of the invoices. Which is ridiculous because that's the murderer's name. Oh, it's just disgusting. And Frank Avila, the attorney for the boy's family, had said that the hospital's actions amount to intentional infliction of emotional distress and asked, what kind of monstrous people are these? It's so sad. I haven't, before I get further on, my question would be, why would the hospital not sue Clarissa Figueroa for those fees how could they sue her 
Well, would that not come as part of the criminal complaint? Um, these, I don't know how this works. I don't know how. It's a really odd situation. That's the thing. It's yeah. odd and horrific. And you don't expect these types of... I, like, remember how previously they said they'd have to change their policies and whatnot yeah. regarding yeah. to these type of care. So if they didn't have a lot of policies for that, what are the chances they have billing situations for this? That's very true. I mean, I just can't help but think... If I was injured as a result of somebody trying to murder me and I then faced hundreds of thousands of pounds of hospital fees, that the person who committed that against me would be responsible and not me. I mean, Mm -hmm. in a civil case, that would be. But then maybe that's where this has to go. Yeah. Potentially. Well, the thing is, according to the article, they had said that they weren't actually going to send any invoices that they were gonna essentially swallow the cost for them really yeah and especially considering you know it wasn't the family their actual family who brought it up and yeah yeah they what i didn't realize before until this article until the articles i read about this it took them a week before they realized something was up and it was the police who took the dna oh i didn't know that so that must be the big the huge issue that the family's got with the hospital then yeah so they said they were going to swallow the fees and they wouldn't have to worry about it yeah so not only are they getting the fees for him but don't forget they had to check the mother over to make sure she she was okay yeah the fees also have to do with her checkup Ugh. so they're literally being forced or rather inadvertently sent a bill for the murderer's medical fees which is atrocious could you imagine being the person that authorised that invoice being sent out? I mean, it's horrible. But don't forget, it wasn't just one. They got, for this particular family, they got multiple invoices. It wasn't just one saying 300000 It was multiple different invoices yeah. totaling over 300000 And as well as bill collectors contacting them for the say, fees. they're getting like de- demands yes. and past due mm-hmm. letters mm-hmm. for these payments. In a statement, the hospital did not detail which bills had been mailed to the family, but indicated at least one of them should not be sent. Yeah, at least, at least one, at least one. I mean, ridiculous. And apparently, although the family has been billed, they've not actually been provided with medical records for baby Giovanni, mm-hmm. despite them being promised that they would receive them. and. They don't have his original birth certificate. Which would have Clarissa's name on it. Yeah. It would have the murderer's name on it. Like I said last time, I understand they're angry. And before I was like, I think that their anger's misplaced. I don't think that that, yeah. that maybe they're looking for somebody to blame. But fuck me. Oh, yeah. This is incredible. Around. Yeah. It just gets worse and worse. The hospital's literally digging themselves a hole. Well, figuratively, but. This story just keeps on going and keeps on getting more and more horrendous. I know, I know. And update there, it looks like they finally might go to might go to trial. Oh, amazing! I read that this morning. I didn't get to a clear view. I accidentally closed the tab instead of yeah. opening it. <laughs> <laughs> but the whole situation is just a constant slap in the family's face. 
I, I don't have any words. What can you say to these poor people that that really can can have any impact? You can't say anything. That's okay. the thing. It really leaves everyone speechless. Yeah. I know. I feel speechless the more I read about their case. It's awful. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that's awful is it's playing out like a soap opera. It really is, isn't it? And it's, you know, the media fucking love it. I, I Here we are talking about it, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. Poor, poor family. And I really, I hope. Our hearts go out to them. Yeah, they really do. I hope things can just even by some finite amount become more bearable for them. Well, shall we do Idiot of the The Week? Yes. I'm going to keep this quick because we need to head on out. Yeah, we do. Plus, I am going to combust at any given point. (laughs) I'm physically sweating. (laughs) So... In Oldsmar, Florida, of course, hello. Of course. A 19-year-old man told police that he shut off the power to a Dunkin' Donuts <laughs> and attempted to rob it because he was tight on money. Oh, no. So, Using an outside breaker, the records show that Robert Torres turned off the power to the Dunkin' Donuts at Tampa Road at about 12 a.m. I bet he just had the munches, didn't he? After the, did you not read this? No! Oh my God, that's amazing. Okay. I don't read the idiots when you're going to read them because I think it's Fabulous. so much more fun. So, after the power went out, the employees exited the store and were confronted by Taurus. The arrest records show he was wearing a hoodie with a shirt pulled up and covered the bottom part of his face. One of the employees ben- began screaming. <laughs> oh no, oh no, this is terrifying. And I've just had the worst no, 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 comedic no. image of like some <laughs> Seth Rogen film. Give me your money. <laughs> no, I'm a terrible person. <laughs> so the employee began screaming and then asked him if they were being robbed. And according to the records, he responded, yes. <laughs> the employees gave him the keys and he ran to a vehicle in the parking lot. Oh, wow. I mean, good for them to just give them the keys, for fuck's sake. For real. Yeah. After Don't be a the- hero. <laughs> no, it's almost done. And this is the best part. So after his arrest, Torres admitted his intent was actually to get into the two safes inside the store. However, he was unable to get them open. Why? Because he did not realize the safes did not run on electricity. What? <laughs> He, was what? <laughs> he thought turning off the breaker would cause the safe to go and open up and just open up this riches beyond his dream. Like the Cave of Wonders. Exactly. Oh my pr- uh, 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 this might be the biggest idiot we've ever had. <laughs> Like legitimately. Uh, don't forget the guy who tried to weld open oh, an that's ATM. Good point. Yeah. Was that Florida too? I believe so. Maybe. I don't remember. There's something in the water down there. Anyway. Uh, he was charged with grand theft, burglary, and robbery by snatching. And that Fucking is our hell. idiot of the week. <laughs> ay, ay, Jesus. What a wild ride. <laughs> oh, I know. It's amazing. Oh, isn't it? Thank Fucking. you so much guys <laughs> thank you so much for listening i'm exhausted <laughs> <laughs> please rate review subscribe we've had a couple more reviews that i've had this week so uh very happy with most of those thank you <laughs>
Um, don't forget to follow us on our social media, our Murder Our Minds, our Murder Our Mind podcast on Facebook, Instagram, or I almost said Snapchat. That's not true. Twitter. 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 Also Patreon. Yes, Patreon, uh, Murder on Our Minds. Patreon.com slash Murder Our Minds. You get freebies, you get special episodes and early access. And that's everything. Yeah, that's everything. We will be having a break coming up, um, but fear not, you will still get episodes just bi-weekly. And they will be the Idiot Archive featuring some amazing idiots from the past. Not our past, but from like 2000s, backwards, etc. Because some of them are incredible. Oh my God. Some of them you will talk about because you'll be like, I remember that. (laughs) Those are the types. Yes. That's coming up. And then we'll be back with a special, special episode very special yes so thank you guys yes we appreciate it and we'll we'll see you soon see you next time bye bye